Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. And I invite you to check those websites out and allow us the privilege of serving you this year. I'm with Jeremy Lundgren, the president of Nicolay Bible Institute. And what classes as president do you teach? I know you teach as well. You're not just sitting at a desk with your arms folded, bossing people around or anything. Oh, no. No, so in the fall, I teach Bible study methods, and then in the spring semester, I teach Christian theology and church history. Okay. And uh, we were talking, if they, if our listeners were with us in the last uh, Younger Older, we were talking about Bible translations and how the Bible wasn't written in English. And uh, really, as far as I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, but I understand there's two general ways that the Bible is translated. One is a thought-for-thought thought kind of way, and one is more of a word-for-word word kind of a way. And, yes. And the, and the big, deep theologian people of the world argue about which way is better. And, you know, in, in one way, you got to land one way or the other, and, and then you're theologically sound somewhere. Um, so how would you resolve that? Is, is there a better translation to read? Well, I, I have my, my preferences. I, I generally lean towards the uh, more literal translations over the dynamic equivalent or the, the thought-for-thought translations, but that's, that's not a hard and fast rule. Uh, you know, early, in the previous uh, episode, I talked about how all translation is interpretation. And so one of the levels you can think about it is at the level of figures of speech and metaphor. There's a sense in which all all language, right, it, it's words that present images or concepts, ideas into our minds. And so we want to think God's thoughts after him. Uh, so as we read scripture, we want to think about the world, understand what's being said there. And you know, we just recognize that God's created us as as humans to uh, to use language to think, to be able to understand the thoughts of another person, to understand the thoughts of God through the use of language. But so often, the the way that those words are put together and used, uh, it, it the meaning isn't always immediately obvious. So one example that I use in my class is when I was a college student. In the room next to me was a uh, a foreign exchange student. English wasn't his first language, and I was talking to him, asking how things were going, how it was living with his room. And he said, you know, uh, my English is okay. It, it's improving, but there are just some of the things that I don't understand. Uh, so all the time my roommate kept saying he was going to go jump in the shower. And I just kept wondering, why is he jumping in the shower? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so yeah. uh, you and I know what, what his roommate went, meant when he said, I'm going to jump in the shower. But when you take those words literally, right. uh, you're picturing some guy jumping in the shower, wondering when he's going to slip and fall yeah. on the, or, or whatever that might be. Uh, but we like saying, I'm going to go jump in the shower. It's a, it's a more interesting way of talking about your morning, morning routine or whatever that might be. And so the, the Bible is filled with language like that. Uh, so there's a sense in which if the Bible had a more literal translation, uh, you have to you have to do more work to kind of draw out that meaning. And that, I think, is the, the benefit, the, the joy of that, right, as you're, you're digging into Scripture, trying to understand it. Uh, there are other times when... Uh, uh, when, when it just doesn't make sense, and so the translators will give more of that dynamic equivalence. <clears throat> um, but then the the weakness on that side is someone else has already made the decision for you, and you know in in general, if if they're trustworthy translators, then you can trust the assumptions that they've made. Uh, but other times, uh, it, it it might be good. It might be interesting to just explore. Um, 
what what the more literal meaning of those words is. Yeah, you know, one of the greatest advice I got when I was young um, and that I still remember, I forget what seminar I was at, but the the teacher basically said, you know, the Bible is the best translator of the Bible. Go and see what it says about the same thing in a different passage and a different passage and a different passage. And eventually you might know what it means, you know. Uh, and I'll give you an example. You, you say, okay, we need to love one another. Yes. Well, what does that mean? What exactly is God talking about? When God says, you know, we need to, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, our mind, and love each other. Okay, is that the hippie movement back in the in the sixties and seventies? Those guys were peace and love and all that kind of good stuff. Is is that what we're talking about? So well, and even as as Christians, we we sometimes uh, maybe contrast the law of God with with something like love, right? Where where law is good and or sorry, where love is good, uh, but law is bad. But when you look in the New Testament uh, at, at how it uh, talks about the law or the or the commandments of God. Uh, it speaks very highly of the of the law, uh, but it speaks very uh, poorly of our ability to listen and obey. Yeah. Uh, so the the problem, the weakness, doesn't lie in the uh, in the law itself, but it, but it lies in us. Although the Apostle Paul does talk about limitations of the law, right? The law can show you what is good, but he does say the law doesn't have the power to. Um, help you to actually be good or to actually do those good right. things. Um, so the law is limited in, in its its power that, that God has given it, uh, but it isn't corrupt. It isn't bad. Uh, instead, right, you read Psalm 119 uh, and, and you read all about how, how precious, how wonderful, how life-giving the law, the statutes, the precepts of God are. And uh, so anyway, so when we think about love, uh, what, what it means to love others, Jesus said, uh, right, this is the first and greatest commandment, that you love the Lord your God. And then the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, your question then is, okay, what, what is love? What does it look like uh, to love your neighbor? Well, go through, go through the Ten Commandments. What does it mean right. to love God? Well, we're commanded, you shall have no other gods before me. So we, we worship God. Uh, we trust him alone. That's what it looks like to sure. love God. We don't take his name in vain. We don't make any graven images. And then what does it mean to love our neighbor? Well, getting back to the family that we were talking about, uh, talking about on the first half, uh, start there, uh, right? Lo- love your family by honoring your father and your mother. Uh, love your neighbor by not coveting his wife or coveting his donkey or coveting his house or car, right. whatever that might be. Love, love those around you by speaking truthfully to them. And so the law of God uh, kind of puts flesh and bones on what love is. And so in the Old Testament, sometimes you read these laws and they're, they're very obscure, right? There's a law about putting a, a parapet wall around the roof of your house. There's a law about, um, right, um, how you're harvesting your grain, how to offer sacrifices. And those things are very uh, strange, very foreign to us. But we see that that's God saying to the nation of Israel, uh, whether it's in, in the wilderness in the book of Exodus or as they're entering into the promised land in Deuteronomy, uh, here are my commandments of how to love me, how to show love yeah. for other people. And that's that's comforting because uh, you, know, you said, is this, is this the hippie movement or something like that, where love is tied to um, our, our feelings, our emotions, and a lot of times we can just be paralyzed by that approach to love, yeah. um, where you, you might feel like loving someone one day and you don't feel it the next, and, and what do you do with those things? Well, you, you commit to loving the person, uh, you walk in obedience to God's word, um, 
it, it, it's a guide. It's, it's a lamp for us, a light in the darkness. Yeah. You know, I think it's so important for us to go and let God define the words himself through his, through his word. And when you were talking about it, I was thinking, you know, it's just John three sixteen, a verse that most people can quote. Yes. You know, for God so loved, what did he do? He gave. Yes. What did he give? Okay, he's describing, you know, God doesn't need me to be God. He doesn't need to do this, but, but he saw my need, and he, and he went and he met my need. And yeah. he did it with his resources. Yeah. So he's describing love right there. And, and, the, and the cross is just such an interesting scene because uh, w- when you look about at, at the cross, you can, you can think about God's judgment of our sin, and it's a display of that, right, um, right? A, a shameful, gruesome display. But it's also a display of God's love, that, that here's God sending his son, uh, giving his son on our behalf. And so there's uh, it, it, God doesn't just talk. He, he acts. He did right. something very real, uh, very costly um, for, for Christ on our behalf. And so that's, that's another wonderful picture of what, of what love is, that it's, it's giving of ourselves. It's serving uh, on behalf of others. Yep. Well, I, I remember years ago when I, um, yeah, I grew up in church. I grew up, my dad was a pastor. I was in every Sunday school class, every youth work, every, I'm a church kid, you know, all the way. Uh, however, the funny thing is we were taught doctrine in church. So it, it's a whole different world out there. It's, I mean, church messages went over an hour. Yes. Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday nights. They were all over an hour. They were all teaching. There there used to be transparencies up there and showing the whole works. I remember those. Yeah, it's a it's a whole different world today. Yes. Um in that in that sense. But I can remember too saying, Okay, that, you know, I I've gotta understand the Bible on my own. I, I need to read it. Not yes. just hear about it in church and not just and I remember thinking, Okay, God, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the Bible uh, and I'm just going to read it until something grabs me. And I sat down and I started, and within a few words I stopped. Because right in the Genesis it says, in the beginning God, and, and right away it stopped me. And I thought, it doesn't say in the beginning Dave. No. And it put, put it in perspective for me immediately. It was like, okay, God, it didn't take long for you to beat me on the head with something here. You know what I mean? It's like, and until this day, there are many days where I start out saying to God, God, you're God, I'm Dave. Yep. And, and he knows what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that moment where I recognized I'm not the creator. I'm not the sustainer. I'm not, I'm, I'm Dave. And so I need to position myself in a way where I listen to God. And isn't it the, interesting the way that uh, the Bible introduces us to God, uh, where he, he's just there, yep. right? There's a beginning to creation. There's a beginning to time. Uh, but God's just there. He, he causes that beginning. So he, yeah, he, he was there beforehand. You weren't. I wasn't. Yeah. Uh, and then he's, he's introduced to us as the one who, who by his word, uh, speaks the heavens and the earth into existence. He's the, he's the creator. He's the king. He's the ruler, ruler over all things. And then that's the, that's the, the, the being that that's who we're trying to get to know as we keep reading, keep reading our Bibles. Well, and I keep thinking, and we talked about in the last program, how, how important it is to understand principle and method and that kind of thing. Well, here's the principle. There's a God and I'm not him. You know I mean? That's the principle. Yes. Now reading the rest of the Bible, that principle is going to do me well. It is, you know, as, as I read it. So that now I go through the scriptures and I, and I begin to interpret everything with the idea that he's God and I'm not, 
and and I get more and more of a picture of what that is as I read the scriptures. You know, it, more and more of how much I'm not, right, and how much He is. And by the end of it, I'm going, oh man, I'm really a nothing. So, so Dave, here's my question for you. I, I said that we, it, it's interesting to look in Genesis 1, how God is introduced. When we look in Genesis 1 about how we, as, as humans, are introduced, we're described as being in the image of God. And so right. you're talking about this sharp contrast uh, between who God is and who we are, uh, and that, that's certainly true. Uh, but when you think about that idea of, of us being created in the image of God, where there's some sort of, cor- some sort of correlation uh, between us and God, how do you? How do you think through that? Well, you know, at first I, I went through and, and I really thought of, about the idea of coming from dirt. And and I think God was working on my, my heart trying to say, okay, the physical you. Yes. The physical you is out of dirt. And one day this body that you have is going to die and go back to it. What makes it alive? The breath I gave you. There's more to you than that body. Yes. Okay, so now I begin to think about what it means to be in the image of God because there's, there's more. You know, I don't see a body of God here. And through the scriptures as I go through, I, I keep thinking, my job as I go through all of scripture and I think about it is to glorify God. Okay, yes. what does that mean? That means to show the world who he is by how, what I do, what I say. what I, People need to understand God by looking at me. I'm made in his image. There's a way that I'm made, and and if I deviate from that way, if I deviate, then I'm not going to be okay because the only way I can function for an eight-year-old, I'd be saying, God didn't make you to sit at the bottom of the lake. Right. You know? Yeah, no kidding. Okay, so so don't sit there. You know what I mean? Because if you do, it's going to be a miserable end for you. And if I look at it, if I'm made in the image of God, then I need to represent who he is so when people look at me, they see him, not me. Yes. And I'm not 100% sure I've done that the way I should all my life. However, that's, that's the goal. And realizing that this body that's going back to dirt shouldn't control me. That it's not the body that controls. But people see the body. They see me. I, I actually believe even that I should stay somewhat fit Somewhat, just because I represent, I'm made in the image of God, I represent who he is, and when people look at me, I should represent who he is. We should. Yeah. So that, that's what I get, not just from that made in his image, but then putting some of it together as you read contextually through the scriptures and say, well, what does that mean back there then? How, like Romans 3.23 as a kid didn't make sense to me. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What in the world is the glory of God? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, when you when you look at Genesis one and we see kind of the place that God has for man and woman in creation, there's some glory there. Uh, there's some glory to that position. Not the glory of God, right. but we are His His vice regents. We're called to uh, rule over the earth and subdue it. We're called to be fruitful and multiply. Uh, we're, we're, you know, Adam is tending and keeping the garden, um, which there's some level of protection there. So when the enemy came in, when Satan came in, uh, God had called Adam to uh, t- to guard the garden, which he didn't do successfully. Uh, but later Jesus did do it successfully. Uh, so we're thankful for the second Adam. Uh, but in in thinking about how God is God and and I am not. Uh, 
we, we look at what it means to be a human, and we do have a unique place in God's creation. We are the, the crown of his creation, called, called to rule over it as his image bearers. And then sin comes along. And one way I like to think about it is, uh, you know, what, what did sin do to us? Well, if you have a l- low view of humanity without sin, then you don't have a very high position to fall from. So, so what did sin do? Well, it, it bumped you down a notch, but not much. But if you, if you have a, a higher view of humanity as created in the image of God, uh, right, ca- called to reign over his creation, but not in a subversive way, not in a way, right, sometimes we can't think otherwise than, oh, if I'm supposed to reign, if God's given me some power to exercise in this world, uh, then I'm setting myself up as a God uh, as, as opposed to him. Well, no, without sin... Uh, there was no temptation there, right? Where Adam right. and Eve could could reign, but they're giving all the glory, uh, they're giving all the glory to God. But then when sin comes along, uh, since they were in such a high position before the fall, um, they've fallen and we've fallen in them, uh, in into this this lowly position where we do need to be reminded uh, that that I am not God. Uh, and on the one hand, that's just to to deal with our pride, uh, where we want to set ourselves up against God. We want to do things our own way. Uh, we know how to run this universe b- better than God does, and He just He just humbles us and says, "No, um, I'm in charge. I'm running this this universe, and I'm doing just fine. Thank you." Uh, so it, it's uh, it it pushes against our pride, but also just whatever whatever other doubts or fears or insecurities we might have, um, right? I imagine that some days when you say, uh, God, you're God and I'm not, uh, that it's to put you in your place as far as like pride. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and then other days it's, uh, to put your, put yourself in your place in relation to self-pity. Right. And, and, and we need both of those. And some, sometimes you need both of those on the same day of, uh, when you, when you try to take control of everything around you, uh, when you're feeling good, you're prideful. You think I, I have this, and then when things start to wobble and start to shake, uh, then you realize, oh, I've I've taken this all on myself, and now it's all going to fall apart. Yeah. But when we when we remember that there's a God who loves us and cares for us, that this is His world, uh, He's put us in it uh, to know Him, to walk in fellowship with Him. It's just so freeing. It's so comforting. It's so so peaceful. Yeah, you know, I think as you go through, if you can grab little nuggets like that, and uh, I, you know. That's something, again, I say quite a bit that he's God and I'm not. And, and there are reasons for it. Um, in, in the middle of a tornado. Yes. You know, you're, you're really feeling helpless. When we had the derecho go through here a few years ago, you, you're helpless. I don't know how many times I said, okay, God, I didn't cause this. You're God. I'm Dave. How are you working this out? You know, this is what happened. I had nothing to do with it. I'm, I've got a chainsaw in my hand right now. I'll start cleaning it up. But that's all I got. That's all I can offer you. And through it all, God did some wonderful things. But in, in the process, there, there really becomes, if you know, you have to know who God is. I mean, you have to know him enough to say, um, I trust you with yes. this. And you do that by getting in the Bible. You need to be in God's word so that you can get to know who God is. You, you do. You know, Dave, you, you mentioned the derecho, and you've been in these woods a lot longer than I have. And so I, I have, I, w- I was here a couple of times, but I really have no memory of what these woods looked like before that storm. 
uh, but you know I'll, I'll take my dog on walks in, in, in the in the woods or I'll uh, go, go out on the ATV and sometimes I just look around especially at, at different times of year so in the in the spring and summer the the leaves are so thick that you right. can't really see the chaos uh, but in the in the fall and in early winter as it is now you just see all these bent and broken and tumbled trees uh, the, the the logging trucks drive past our our homes uh, and we, we see those those workers doing that slow steady work of right taking what's salvageable yep. what, what what's useful from those those fallen timbers they're still doing that work uh, e- even years later but sometimes when i'm walking through the forest I, I just look at the chaos of that and i think about how god created this world just just the 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 order the beauty the goodness of this world and then something like this this storm comes through and i i can't help but think of of satan i can't help but think of, of sin and just the the confusion the devastation uh, that he causes and so that storm uh, often is just a picture for me of of what satan does in this world and then the the work of christ and the work that he's called us to uh, as his church as christians like you're saying you're sitting there with a chainsaw and i mean Really, what's one chainsaw yeah. going to do? Yeah, I'm not going to clean this mess up. Just, just how how widespread it is, and you, you can go deeper into the woods. You, you can go further in, and you just see areas where it looks like a giant just took a handful of trees and dropped them like you would drop a bunch of, of matchsticks. Yeah, where the trees are just tangled and twisted together, and, and there they're sitting, and uh, you know. That's the forest, that, that's the created world, and you look at the slow, steady work being done there. But it, it, it's a good picture uh, for, for what uh, the work is that God's, God's called us to in this world uh, where, where there's hope, we, where we want to see the chaos turned into beauty. Yeah, you know, I think as, as we talk about just getting into the Bible, um, there are phrases, there are examples that keep coming to me no matter what the situation is. You know, my wife's gone through cancer. We have derechos. The year before the derecho, we lost our maintenance building in a fire. We went through the pandemic. I mean, you, it was a really interesting few years uh, to have to survive, if you want to call that. But the bottom line really is, every time I felt helpless, I thought of um, Psalm 23 and walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes. And there's a picture in a book that my wife and I wrote that one of the MBI students actually illustrated where where the um, shepherd is walking through the valley of the shadow of death and he's got his hand on the lamb. One hand is on the lamb's head and you can see along the edge of the valley all these wolf eyes looking at this lamb. And you picture there's no way you wolves can do anything because the shepherd is walking with his hand on the lamb's head. The, The lamb's fine. Because the shepherd is there. Now, as simple as that picture is, that's a picture that always gives me hope. Because it's it's like, you know, my responsibility, and, and, and I found out from going through the scriptures and living life, God will never ask me to do something I can't do. No. So he asked me to stay by him. That's it. Just stay by me. I'll take care of the wolves. You know, I'll, I'll deal with them. Just stand by me, and I'll do it. And, and so when I get into those derecho times, the cancer times, whatever, it's like, you know, God, I know my job here. My job is to get next to you and to walk with you. That's my job. I can't solve cancer. I can't solve derechos. I can't solve buildings burning to the ground. I can't solve the war in Israel. I can't solve the war in Ukraine. I can't solve those things. But I can walk next to you and let you look at those 
evil eyes. And, and I don't care what they're thinking. I know what you're thinking. There's no way they're going to touch me. Not without you taking your hand off me. And you're not going to do it. So we're going to walk right through this valley. And we're going to get to the other end. And, and I'm going to look at you and go, that was cool. Yes. Yeah. And you, know, you, you look in the Gospel of John where Jesus knows his sheep. He calls them by name. There's the enemy who wants to come in, comes to steal, kill, and just steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, but but the good shepherd knows his sheep by name. And then in the end of the Gospel of John, when Jesus is talking with Peter, uh, when when he's restoring Peter after he had denied him, uh, he says to Peter, "You know, if you love me, feed my sheep." So you were talking about staying close to Jesus. And when we think about, you know, how do we do that? How do we stay close to our our Master and it's by being in the word of God. So Peter's, Peter, the apostle, feeds Christ's sheep, and he does that. We see him in the book of Acts, teaching, proclaiming the gospel. We see him uh, right, pointing them to the scriptures. And then Peter himself obviously also wrote scripture, <clears throat> pointing us to Christ. And so uh, as we seek to feed ourselves, as we, or as we seek to stay close to God, uh, stay close to Christ, we want to be in his word. That's where we see Jesus. Uh, you, you can think about Jesus. Uh, you can have conversations about Jesus. And in as much as those conversations or activities are shaped by the word of God, as we worship, as we sing, uh, things along those thing, lines, those are all good. But all those activities, all the all of our uh, ways that we imagine uh, Christ, where we listen to him, it's it's established in the word of God. And so if you want to be close to Jesus, be close to his word. Uh, and that's where I love that picture of uh, the, the lamb walking through the valley yeah. and, and the, the shepherd has his hand on his head. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, I, again, if there's phrases I repeat and I, and I keep asking God, am I just so dumb that I can't get this through my head? Because you think you would know this in life. You think once you know something, you know it. Yes. Yeah. Well, you don't. You'd think. Yeah, you'd think you would. But so often it's in the beginning, God, not Dave, as we talked about. Or it's, all right, God, thank you again for never asking me to do something I can't do. Yes. I can stay next to you regardless of the pain, regardless of the disaster. Regardless of what everyone else does in the whole world, I can choose to stay next to you. I can do that. It's kind of like in the last program we were talking about, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, and they had they had set in their heart not to do evil. You know right. what I mean? Okay, well, that's what they decided. They were going to do what God said, and so they ended up walking in fires and playing with lions, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and I think I think all of us, as you get into God's Word, that's what your goal is, not to have a quickie devotion so God doesn't strike you with lightning today. Right. That's not the goal. What is the goal? Well, and it, it, it's not to just have quick, easy answers. It's to be uh, formed into the image of Christ. It's to replace the lies in our head with, with truth. It's to, you know, be, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so we want to think biblically, um, you know, one way to, to phrase it is that we want to look out at the world around us uh, through the lens of scripture, right? So those are the glasses we put on, but we want to do so with eyes of faith and just how often, um, you know, we, we want to look at the Bible, look at, the, look at the Bible as an object to be studied uh, instead of looking through it uh, to the truth of who God is. 
God is the truth of who we are and to see this world as as created by him just an interesting uh, amazing world but a world filled with with darkness and chaos and to just see uh, who God is how he's working in this world well thank you Jeremy you know Two of us are the uh, two of the instructors here at Nicolay Bible Institute. I invite you to join us for a year there. I'm Dave Wager here in the Silver Birch Ranch Studios. Goodbye for now.